0: Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramley John. Welcome to episode 41 of Growth Marketing Today. My name is Ramley John, the host of this show, and my mission and my goal in life is to help marketers level up their growth marketing chops by talking to some of the best uh, growth marketing leaders and companies around the world. Today, it's all about churn and, and retention. I'm so excited about this because for any SaaS business of almost any scale, the evaluation impact of better retention is in the tens of millions over time. The problem is for a lot of companies, the stats I found is 44% of companies focus more on acquisition and how to get more leads, how to get more customers, and only 18% cited retention as higher concern. That's a big problem. That's why in this episode, I invited Kristen DeCosta. She is the growth lead at churnbuster.io. She's worked with companies like uh, like Segment and other companies around the world that to help them reduce their churn. Now, Kristen shares proven and simple strategies to, re- to reduce SaaS churn that kill growth. In this episode, you're going to learn a few things. First, how marketing can reduce churn without involving the dev or product team. I know sometimes marketers can get really annoying with the dev team. And here, uh, she's gonna share strategies on how to reduce churn without even bothering your, your dev team. Second, Kristen shares her step-by-step process for diagnosing and debugging churn problems. It's gonna be so good. And third, she shares eight types of email to send to improve customer retention. Now, as always, if you want the show notes, my key takeaway, some quotes, and other goodies from this episode, you can go to growthmarketing.today forward slash zero four one and if you're new here please subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts podcasts, whether it's itunes spotify overcast breaker wherever you get your podcast these days and as always i'd appreciate it very much if you leave a five-star review on itunes so we can reach more marketers with this podcast anyway i don't want to hold you back anymore let's listen in on my chat with Kristen. Hey everyone, I have here Kristen, all the way from Turnbuster. How are you doing, Kristen?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing
0: pretty good. I'm so excited to talk about this because this is a big thing that's been on my mind lately. Like, how do you lower churn, uh, especially for SaaS companies? That you know, we I've seen a lot of growth folks talk about how the biggest way to grow your your SaaS business is really through. A, increase your retention or reduce your churn. So before we talk about churn, you know, I love asking this question because I love hearing people's story about how they got to where they are. Can you tell me a little bit about your your journey so far to getting to become the growth lead uh, churn buster?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I might be a little biased, but I do think my story is a little interesting. Uh, It's a little different, which I guess is actually pretty normal in SaaS tech startups. It's like everybody has a crazy story. Um, But I actually graduated college now three years ago, almost to the date. Um, And so my marketing kind of started back then. Uh, In between my junior and senior year, I did an internship at a pretty small digital marketing agency, and that's kind of where things got set in motion for me. So they were a HubSpot certified agency. So within my first month, I had my inbound certification, and, and the marketing sense kind of grew up in this world of inbound. Uh, so after that, um, I was actually a scholarship gymnast in college nice. at Iowa State. Yeah, so I did that mostly, so there wasn't a lot of like internship and job opportunities for me there but I ended up retiring um, right before my last semester due to concussions. So at that point, I mean, I was pretty used to being like overly busy and was getting to that point of being anxious about finding a job after college. So I ended up working remotely part-time for another digital marketing agency during my last semester of college. Uh, So then I was running um, social accounts, managing all the social media for about five different e-commerce companies. just basically doing social media kind of on the side part time. And then from there, I graduated. I moved back to Dallas, and I had this fun little two-week stint where um, I attempted to do a public relationships internship uh, in a big office, in big city, in a big company. Uh, My parents were obviously super happy, like, yes, secure career path. Uh, Stop doing this remote stuff. But it was, I mean, just not for me at all. So I I quit there and then ended up going back to that marketing agency um, that I worked for in college, kind of onboarded as their full marketing coordinator it was remote position first official full-time role and I got tossed into the thick of it pretty quick um I was the sole marketer for all of our clients so I was um you know going from writing Instagram posts about matcha tea to all of a sudden I'm managing like six content calendars everybody's email marketing strategy social channels and then the freelancers for all of them so it was like a lot to get into but it was super fun um just kind of threw me into a lot of things when I was like, I don't even know what SEO means. Like, what are we talking about? Um, So I was there for about six months, kind of started getting a little burnt out, obviously. So from there, I ended up working at a company called Cells. And Sells is actually an e commerce platform. Um, they're not super well known. Uh, I was there for about two years. Um, it's kind of where I found my jam in content marketing, especially. Um, there are a lot of good times there, some negativity as well. But kind of what happened was when I started, they were working on this whole new beautiful content hub um, called Founder U. And I was super excited about it. I started on just the social stuff, kind of how, how I'd been doing. Um, but about three months in, I was kind of looking at this thing like, we've got this beautiful blog and you know, we're not posting. We are not. We don't have any strategy. We're just kind of tossing some stuff up here. We've wasted a lot. Uh, so I just kind of took it and ran with it. Um, that's kind of my, my motto is that I'll just kind of go and like, hey, someone needs to do this. I'm going to do it. Um, no one had really dug into the content marketing in this whole world of kind of like inbound lead generation. And with my background, it it really interested me. So I just kind of got down to business. Um, I was there for two years. We grew that blog, um, started with about a thousand monthly visitors. I left it, um, trending up over 10,000 monthly visitors. Uh, It was a ton of fun. Um, ended up with a team of three people with me. Like we were just running the content side of the business. So it was this like intense content marketing machine we had running. Um, but kind of at some point there was some company politics and culture that kind of started to grind with me. And I really kind of wanted to find my next step. So I started to feel a little bit restrained in what I could do. Um, the ideas I had were a little bit bigger than what was you know, ready to be happening. So I, I wanted to find somewhere I could really feel passionate and own my work and really do something big. And um, that's kind of how I ended up at churnbuster. So I, I was pretty desperate for a change, kind of started looking around. Um, I actually accepted a job here in Colorado Springs at a local newspaper, basically heading up their digital marketing. Uh, Which is funny now, because it's like the complete opposite direction I ended up going in. Um, But luckily, uh, Matt Goldman, who is our CEO, kind of swooped in um, and gave me the opportunity of a lifetime to really come in and be the first marketer and like take this thing and run with it. So now I've been here for a little bit over a year and it's just the most, most incredible experience. Like you said, um, I'm kind of growth lead. So I've been laying our foundations, really opening up channels. And then a lot of what I do is focus on engagement, uh, education and community because that is what I love.
0: That's cool that you have like diverse experience from marketing agency to you said e-commerce was the previous yeah. one and then yeah. now you're SaaS. What how how are you finding the difference now? You've been working for uh, a, a mainly B two B SaaS company compared to like an agency and an e-commerce.
1: Mm-hmm. For me, it's been I mean I love it a lot more. I get to connect with people one on one a lot more often, um, and it's just with an agency things move so fast that you're just kind of like pumping things out as quickly as you can get them and doing this, but being able to like dive fully into one product and one audience and do the best i can for them has been i mean for me personally like the biggest growth
0: that's great yeah that's definitely i think that's i've never actually really worked at a marketing agency before my background's been mainly in the the client side so uh, I, i always find fascinating seeing people's difference between marketing agency and and the client side yeah
1: it's good to get a lot of experience really fast but it's tiring yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, de- it's definitely tiring now you are been a growth lead at churnbuster for you said a little bit over a year i, I know that's a big thing especially for SaaS. and you know, some of my listeners might not know what churn is Uh, Can you tell me what churn is and why should every, well, SaaS marketers care about that?
1: Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. Um, And I do appreciate you asking because it's really important when talking about churn to really back up and start at the beginning. Um, It's one of those things we all kind of know what churn is, right? We're like, oh, we've got 3% churn this month. Um, But it's also kind of tricky to nail down from a marketing perspective what it actually means. Um, I always revert to HubSpot's definition of... Customer churn is the percentage of customers that stopped using your company's product or service during a certain time frame. A um, lot of buzzy words there. So in, te- in simple terms, it's just customers ending a subscription. Um, whether they're a customer subscriber of any kind, when they end their relationship with a business, that's churn. Um, and there are loads of like types of churn. Like We could talk about it for two hours. There's activity churn and revenue churn and passive churn and active churn. Uh, it gets pretty wild fast, but to simplify it, you can kind of bucket it down into two churn types. So there's Voluntary churn, um, that's when a customer actively decides to cancel a subscription. And then involuntary churn on the other side, uh, this is also known as passive or delinquent churn. This happens as the result of a billing issue that doesn't get resolved and cancels the subscription. Um, And so kind of back on your question, why is this important for SaaS marketers? A lot of times I find that churn can kind of fall on the customer success or product team. But marketers really do need to have this on their radar too, because it, it impacts the success of the whole business. And it actually impacts a lot of the marketing decisions you make, right? Because it's like, you know what's the point of hustling and marketing for all of these leads if we don't know how to keep them for the long run? Um, and it really like I always am like a visual math person. So it's it's pretty simple if we look at it like this way. Say, you know, I have a business and I'm acquiring 10 new customers a month but also eight of those customers are canceling a month, you know, we're at a standstill. It's it's kind of a treadmill. So all of the marketing we're doing really isn't meaningful. And if we're not looking at the other side of the coin, if we're not looking at what happens after we get them, churn can kind of get out of control. And then the metrics like how many leads are we bringing in? How many sales are we doing? um, The cost of acquisition, click through rates, like all these fun things we like to report on literally don't matter anymore uh, because it just, you know, we have to be able to keep them long term. We have to make all the acquisition worth it. So that's why I'm really working to bring this to marketers like, hey, we can we can keep doing what we're doing, but then also turn into retention as well.
0: Yeah, that's that's such a good point that you make. Like it's something that is like growth leaders, like the former VP of growth at HubSpot, like Brian Balfour is really focusing on is growth leaders need to be focusing on that retention. But I, I read one of your blog posts on your website. Uh, you, you stated a stat there that for a lot of companies, you said 44% of companies focus more on acquisition while 18% cited retention as a higher concern. So I'm, I'm kind of curious from working with companies why you think f- companies don't focus on retention as much as acquisition?
1: Mm, yeah, so I, it's interesting because I actually had this question kind of myself a few months ago a big obstacle in my role is that I'm not just saying like, here, how, how are you going to beat churn? Here's how to do it. I'm also having to show people why it's important to beat churn. Uh, Because like you said, we're not really focusing on it. So what I kind of did was I embarked on this little research mission and I went and talked to like 50 growth experts, founders, marketing professionals, just trying to understand like why why aren't we focusing on it? Why aren't we looking at it when the numbers prove that it's worth it? Um, But like another stat in that article I know was, you know, increasing retention by 5% increases profits by 25% to 95%. Like we know it's there, but we're not really addressing it. So a few trends that I kind of found when I talked to these people. Um, first, c- customer attention is just pretty hard to track as an effort based thing. Um, for marketers, it's pretty easy for us to set up like a new lead gen funnel and say, look, we brought in um, 100 leads and 5% converted at email one and then 2% converted after this webinar and like from there from there. But a retention effort can feel a little bit more messy, knowing really like what's working, what's moving the needle, and not is not nearly as black and white. So the sheer fact that it kind of feels like this thankless job that you can't track makes marketers pretty weary to dive into it because we love tracking, uh, it's what we do. Um, The next big, big trend I saw was that no one owns churn. So I kept asking people, you know, who owns churn at your company? Who's tracking this KPI? And the answer is always, you know, everyone owns churn. It's on everyone's plate. And, you know, that's great. And that is the correct way of looking at churn and retention is that every department impacts how your customers are doing it. But the danger here is following that, that narrative too far and saying, you know, if everyone owns it, then no one's going to own it. Yeah, that's right? so true. No? So yeah. true. Um, it's like the tragedy of the commons thing where, you know, you have one resource and everyone's just going to end up doing what's in their best interest, which in the business sense is to take care of your personal KPIs. Right. And if no one has the KPI for churn or customer loyalty or we haven't defined them, it's just not going to be anyone's top focus. Uh, The next thing I've heard, it's just not sexy. Um, It's pretty uncomfortable. It's not fun. It's so easy to get like jazzed up about new growth hacks and like shiny lead magnets and all this stuff we love. But kind of just looking inward and managing what's already there, especially for like a marketer can feel pretty dull. I think (laughs) they're like, we've already done all this. What's new? What's the next new, new thing? Um, Especially kind of in the world of the growth hacky things where you're chasing everything. Um, From that article, uh, Roy, who's actually customer research at Buffer, he had one of my favorite quotes that I think really visualized it. Um, He said, much like it's more exciting to buy a new car than it is to maintain a current vehicle. It's a lot easier to celebrate new customers than retain customers. Yeah, a lot of it is kind of the the feeling behind what we're doing. Um, and then the next thing, it's just kind of built into our organizations to not be a priority. Uh, same thing as nobody owns it. It's also not retention isn't incentivized nearly as much as acquisition. So a, a salesman or the marketing team is going to close a big account. That's going to get a lot more recognition than a customer success rep fixing a, a major user's issue. So we're really not set up for someone to say, hey, I want to be the churn rock star here because it's going to be awesome. Uh, it's not really set up for us to do it. And then lastly, looking at churn can just be pretty scary, especially for marketers. Um, You know, it's essentially like taking your business up to a mirror and giving it a good hard look and pointing out all the things that are wrong. And it, it might be that you end up saying like, hey, we're not ever emailing our customers after they've been with us for six months. That could be what you find. Or you could say, oh God, our product is not living up to the expectations at all. So being the one who like takes the leap and, and grabs that mirror can be pretty scary, especially
0: for marketers. That's so good. Yeah. Uh, I, I just want to jump on a few things that you mentioned. You said that it seems like churn, nobody really owns churn. I'm kind of curious what you think, uh, you know, who should own churn? Like, is it, It should marketing be like, hey, we're going to champion this. Uh, we're going to get the product team involved. We're going to get the sales team involved. We're going to get the positioning team involved. Or should it be on the product team side where they're owning churn?
1: Yeah, I think it. It's hard to blanket statement. It does depend on every business a little bit. But I think with the trends showing how much growth happens in retention, I think it makes a lot of sense for the high level of it to kind of fall on the growth team. Um, and I've talked a lot about kind of creating an, an internal retention team within a business without hiring anybody. Um, and that's as simple as, you know, you take, you take one person from the growth team, one person from customer success, one person from product, and you give them a system to kind of talk to each other and share information and have one person most likely, you know, growth manager, whoever's up there tracking all of the efforts. But then you have this internal system of communication and figuring out how can we like all work together to make this happen? Because it is, I mean, it's tricky because it's like, yes, it does fall on everybody and we do need effort from every department. But you have to somehow manage to create kind of a lead on it. And so that's my general recommendation is give the high level to your growth marketing team and then pull in kind of representatives from other departments to have, you know, if they meet once a month or whatever, just to have that constant flow of communication.
0: The other thing that I heard from you is that it seems like it's uh, like a team culture thing where... It, what you celebrate is what you focus on the most. So for like you said, a lot of a lot of companies, they're like, "Oh yay, we got we got more sales, or we got more leads, or we got more customers," and that's what they're celebrating. I'm I'm thinking like Wolf on Wall Street, like that movie where whenever they close whenever they close a sale, they hear a, they ding the bell. <laughs> You don't hear <laughs> yeah. somebody like dinging the bell when you hit oh yeah we dropped retention by 0.5% like let's ding the bell right so I'm I'm that's something that I'm thinking about as like improving the culture of the company into celebrating that piece.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is kind of shifting to thinking about customers as real human beings Mm. and celebrating them as human beings, doing great things with our tools. It's not just, you know, numbers that we're bringing in. It's actual people who are trying to be more successful. And if we as companies kind of look at it that way and then start celebrating things like, hey, this huge customer just launched this awesome thing using our tool, let's celebrate that because now we're proud of what we've done.
0: That's true. Yeah. Whenever I think about churn, the thing that I usually think about the most is that there's just there's something wrong with the product. So like you know like they're churning because they're missing features. What are some things that marketers can do to improve churn without really involving the dev teams? Like oh we need to build this this feature
1: mm-hmm.
0: or this new onboarding thing so that we can get reduce our churn. But I think I read another post of yours that you said that there are some things that marketers can do without involving the dev team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And this is, I mean, no matter how you slice it, it's an unfortunate side of the whole churn thing is there's always gonna be someone who doesn't find your value or who your product doesn't fit for. Um, And that's just, you just have to accept that that's gonna be happening and you can kind of learn from that as you go. But I think the thing that people tend to be surprised about is how much outside of the actual product itself goes into churn and retention. There are really like so many ways that you can help to retain customers without needing product development. So my, my go-to motto is kind of that, you know, an engaged customer is most likely a long-term customer in the making. And I, I, I know I've said this a lot, but a lot of this comes down to this like mindset shift. That's our real trick here. So what I hear a lot is, Is retention, we're looking at retention as damage control, is trying to make these last minute saves of, you know, seeing a customer that's at risk of churning, how can we incentivize them to stay with maybe some cool sale or something? And the way I'm trying to shift it is we should look at it as an opportunity to really dig deeper into customer relationships, because when we boil it down... Customers really only do one of two things with a SaaS product. They're either gonna really dig into the product and commit to using it, or they're gonna kind of use it lightly and eventually churn out, right? And the customers who have invested in your product and really engage regularly with the platform and the brand are going to be the stickiest ones, the ones who are easiest to retain. Um, they're most likely not going to leave if a cheaper option shows up on the market because they've invested in getting to know your product. So the way we look at it then is how do we make the whole experience better, the whole experience more human, so we can get them to that point where they're not going to leave us simply for a product choice. Um and like I said, there's still always gonna be feature things uh, that come along, but we can just do a lot more to kind of manage the in-between of that. So, uh, high level bullet point things on kind of some some ideas we can do as marketers to help with this. Um, in a nutshell, it's just proactively engaging and helping customers along their journey. So before they hit roadblocks, we need to be there as you know human beings, building relationships and offering authentic help. Um, For marketers, it can be helpful to think of this kind of as building a retention funnel. So, you know, what happens to a customer after they get here? What experience are we taking them through? How are we going to nurture them to become a, a better, more successful customer? Um, So a few things. Um, Onboarding obviously has got to be killer. Your content marketing needs to be serving customers uh, without being over salesy. You don't need to be selling them anything. Um, Highlighting VIP users is a great way to kind of make customers feel special, inspire other customers. Uh, building a community around your product is another great way marketers can really, you know, get their hands on some of that good retention juice. And you know, there's a built-in bonus on that one is when you do that, you're also kind of tapping into a live stream of customer research because you have a conversation right in front of you. And then. Um, Live chat is a great way to connect with customers in real time. Plugging silly leaks like involuntary churn should be a big no-brainer. And then most importantly is just, you know, learning from the churn. So even if people are leaving for features, even if people are leaving because of price point, no matter what you want to start, you know, Sending exit surveys, understanding what's happening, so you can go back and improve the funnels uh, that we've made for your retention.
0: One thing that I heard from that is, if I think about your your relationship with uh, your customer, as almost like you're you're trying to get deeper into a relationship so you're trying to get married with your customer because once you're married uh it's kind of hard to back back out exactly yeah right? it's kind of it's kind of harder to back out because you've kind of committed the wedding you've committed to to going to a honeymoon and and buying a house or a, a, getting a dog together so you're what i'm hearing is you're trying to really build that relationship to the point where they kind of feel bad to leave you just, mm-hmm. Right, like you're building that community, you're, you're you're continually building that relationship with them.
1: Yeah, and I, I say it a lot. It's about becoming more than your product. So you have your product, you know, it fits what they need, but what else can you do to keep them falling in love with you as mm. a brand? Um, like working through a regular marriage, how can you keep falling in love with them so they stay around? Uh, and yeah, I think I think comparing it to a marriage is a really really good way to look at it.
0: Yeah, that's that's so true. Are there any specific communication that you would send out? Like like some any kind of emails that marketers should be sending to build that relationship uh, and reduce the churn. Oh
1: yeah, definitely. Um, it's funny I actually just did a whole workshop on this last week. I was there. <laughs> yeah, so it's all pretty fresh in my mind. Um, there are you know a ton of emails that can help reduce churn that marketers can be sending. Uh, essentially, anytime you're engaging or sending a value adding email, it's going to be considered a, a retention email. But to kind of bundle it into a nice list, um, there there's kind of eight buckets I shouldn't really highlight. And I can kind of touch on these. We can dive into any more that you want to. Um, But the first one is going to be those onboarding and welcome emails. Um, Getting the customer welcomed into your product. They know what's happening. Um, You're walking them through the onboarding. They're getting used to everything. Those are super important. Uh, Your next one is going to be an activation email. This is an email that happens within onboarding, but it's an email that gets your user to do something with your product, to to take an action with it, to use it, to integrate it with something, um, and to really get the value. And then... The third one is going to be product uh, progress update emails. So these are going to be anything that's like, Hey, look at the milestones your customer has made. And on these emails, you really want to be celebrating kind of the like customer success, not how good your tool is. So you don't want to be saying like, we've done this much for you. Look how great we are. Um, it's more like, like, look how much you've accomplished with this tool. We just so happen to be the ones that are here. Um, it's really giving your customers like value right next to their accomplishments. And then Number four is gonna be authentic engagement emails, or what I call these. Uh, these are basically any email that's a genuine human check-in. So I, I always recommend automating some sort of email that's plain text that's just like, you know, hey girl, how are you doing? <laughs> are you enjoying the tools? Is there anything I can help with? That's cool. Um Yeah, something that shows that, you know, there's someone on the other side of this business that actually really cares about the customer and cares about their success, that goes a long way. Um, Number five is going to be value adding emails. So these are uh, anything like newsletters, content. um, There's nothing crazy here. Pretty much, I'm assuming all your listeners are probably doing this already. But it's just important to note that on these emails, you want to make sure you're providing like true, true value and not just talking about your product. They're already signed on, so you want to help them with stuff other than your direct product that they're dealing with. And then number six is gonna be product updates or hype building emails. So anytime you release a new feature, just get your customers in on it. Make it exciting and informational so no one's confused or worried that the product's going in a direction they're, they're not needing. Um, that's just being clear and upfront with them. Number seven is going to be failed payment or dunning emails. So these are emails that you send somebody after um, a billing issue. So it's like that, hey, we need updated credit card information to keep your subscription active. Uh, sounds pretty simple These can get really tricky really fast Because this kind of turns into its its whole funnel on its own um, So if any of your listeners need help with that, that is something that I can dive <laughs> in with them on another time. Um, and then the last one is going to be exit surveys or cancellation emails. So these are the emails that just help you understand, you know, how and why your users are churning. Um, you can automate these super easy, but then they make a huge pact impact on kind of the future. Um, And like I said, I just did that workshop on it. So I can send anybody a link to the replay um, if anybody wants it.
0: That workshop was really well done. I'll I'll get the link and if you want, I can post it up on the show notes. Awesome. I like how you structured those emails. Like you're talking about and we're going and I I keep going back to marriage and relationship because I just got married last year.
1: Congrats. is thank you is that you
0: went from the beginning where they just came to you as a uh, you know they from onboarding all the way to them kind of maybe leaving you uh, so that you structured those eight emails like in almost a customer journey or customer life cycle yes. format mm-hmm. I really like that I I want to kind of tied it all together want to get your process in this so let's say a SaaS company approaches you and say hey Kristen our churn rate is through the roof you know we need help Mm -hmm. where do you start like where where should companies start with trying to figure out where why they're losing customers and how to fix that
1: yeah um this is hands down my favorite question (laughs) and I'm gonna get all jazzed up and start talking really fast um it's such a good question, because if this is what I hear most often is like, where the heck do we start with this? You know, there's not really a process out there for people to address churn in kind of a non chaotic or frantic approach. Um, so this is kind of I'll give you kind of my process for creating Great. an actual. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. A retention strategy um, kind of stepped out. So the first thing I always do is set your mission. So you need to be fully committed to the why of what you're doing. Make sure the team is on board. Everybody understands what this means. It means you're going to be a customer centric uh, company. You're going to focus on your customers and you're going to be serving them first. So it is an all hands mission. You're just kind of the leader of it. So before anything happens, you really need to have that mission set. And then next thing we're going to do, kind of foundational step again, is get to know your users and get to know your churn. So if you haven't done this already, this is where you have to start. Um, you just simply, you can't respond to your churn if, you, if you're if you not knowing what causes it. And you can't get down to the root sources of churn if you don't completely understand your users. So, you know, get on the phone with your best customers and find out what makes them so successful with your product. And then at the same time, get on the phone with your churned users, start sending exit services. Surveys, and then figure out what characteristics or um, characteristics about those users or product that drive those people away. And then from there, you can start making these personas. Like these are the best fit customers, and these are the ones that come in and are not finding our value. And so. From there, we take another foundational step and we're gonna lock in marketing here. So now that you've got a good sense of kind of these best fit and worst fit customers, you wanna go back and look at your current marketing. So are you speaking to really the emotions and the needs and the desires of those most successful customers? Or are you speaking to more of a a customer that's actually not gonna find the best value out of your product? So what you want to do is kind of go through every piece of communication that that your leads are going to be receiving and make sure it aligns with the best fitting customer's needs. Um, uh, this is just, I call this retention based acquisition. And it basically cool. just, <laughs> it basically just makes everything else easier when you're starting off on the right foot. You should,
0: you should trademark that. Yeah, maybe I, <laughs> maybe I will.
1: Maybe I will. So then after that um, kind of last foundational step we have to take is going to be then really roping in development here and checking out that product roadmap. So, you know, we know what the best company, what the best customers need. We know what the, the easily retained customers want. So do we have a product roadmap that's actually aligning with that? Um, that's a pretty simple like, let me just look at it. Let's check it out. Make sure we're prioritizing correctly. And then... We're going to get into the fun stuff. (laughs) And uh, you actually touched on this when you said kind of how, how we mapped up those emails on the user journey. This is, pretty much what I, what I suggest you do next. So um, run through your product as a, as a customer, uh, map out that user journey, notate kind of the experience of the customer. Uh, when is your brand engaging? How are you engaging? Are there long spans of time where a customer is on their own? Uh, when you collect this data, then you want to really be able to kind of visualize it from a high level and, and show that funnel. Like what are customers actually going through beyond just using the product? And so now we've got that. We know what they're experiencing. Now we're going to kind of highlight those at-risk moments. So where are we failing to deliver the value? Um, Where do users start to get lost and confused? Are we engaging consistently throughout the lifetime? And are are we making the users feel like they're part of something bigger or are we just giving them a really basic experience? So we've got this all mapped out. It's beautiful. And now we're just going to plug those moments with genuine, authentic, valuable engagement. Um, This is where it gets really fun. And as a marketer, you can get really creative. Um, It's the same thing. Every tactic you're going to use to excite a a lead and nurture a lead, you can repurpose to excite your customers um, about your product, about your brand, about the things they're dealing with. It's it's the same fun stuff, just serving it to people that you know a little better, which should be a lot of fun. Um, Something I always say is just... Every time you come in contact with a customer, it's an opportunity to either prove your value or to fall short. Um, if you craft your engagement on those terms, knowing that every time you come to them, you're proving value, then you're gonna be kind of ahead of the game there. Uh, and then lastly is to just automate as much as this as you can. It can be pretty tiring to be constantly proactive, which is what we have to do. So you know, use the tools available that are out there, uh, Same as addressing marketing funnels. You look at this as a funnel and find ways you can make it easier for you. Um, I'm actually, it's funny you asked me this because I am like, I'm considering creating this whole templated retention plan for this. Do
0: it. Uh, (laughs) I would love it.
1: Yeah. Like how do you measure each tactic and kind of figure out what's lowest hanging fruit? Um, So, yeah, if any of your listeners want to email me and light the fire for me to do it, (laughs) that would be good.
0: Or maybe they can tweet at you. What is your Twitter?
1: Yeah, my Twitter is at Kristen DaCosta. All
0: right, you heard it here. If you want to get this, you can just tweet at her.
1: (laughs) Yes, make me do it, guys.
0: That's that's so good. I really like how you went through that. Are there any specific tools that you use to, first of all, the measuring piece, like how do you... track where what what features users are doing any particular tools that you're loving right now to to, to do the tracking and measuring
1: yeah um you know heap and mix max are like great ways to kind of watch the activity of your customers um if you want to just do it in the most basic sense it's you know just get on the phone with your customers go look through intercom messages with your customer success team that's uh, that's the biggest piece of advice i can give is you know the tools and the automation. Um, AppCuse is the best tool for onboarding. Um, There's all these pieces you can automate, but when it comes down to it, if you're strapped on resources, if you can't use all these tools, the one thing you have to do is just figure out what's going on with your customers, and there's so much you can do just from that knowledge.
0: Yeah, that's true, right? Like, uh, and that's something that I keep hearing over and over again, like talking to different people here, uh, is the different marketers, is that like, there's not enough marketers talking to their customers over the phone or uh, over, you know, over Zoom call. And it's just so much information that you can get from that alone. Yeah now talking about tools for automation like is there any tools that you you, you've used to to automate this uh this whole process
1: yeah so you know any kind of email marketing automation is going to be awesome for that um I like convert kit. Um, I've also used active campaign and I love them. Um, anything where you can kind of, I mean, any email automation is going to give you this right. Be able to segment your users based on activity and automate things based on their lifetime. Um, other than that, intercom for live chat is great because you can you know, automate a lot of those in app messages for people. You can connect it to your email stuff. You can get it all working together. Uh, Zapier is going to be a big friend there for everything. Um, Failed payment stuff is going to be churn buster. That's us. Um, app cues for onboarding um, buffer or Edgar for social posts there's so much you can do uh, it's really just looking at it from a retention plan standpoint and connecting them all together but those are kind of my top, my top tools uh, right now
0: yeah I, I, wanted, I wanted to actually transition to Churnbuster uh, mm-hmm. so what is for my listeners who don't know what is Churnbuster and you know what kind, of, what kind of tools do they provide
1: yeah. So um, I touched on involuntary churn a little bit. Uh, we are the only tool that's 100% focused on this side of the equation. Uh, we're 100% dedicated to solving these fa- failed payment issues for subscription businesses. And we do that through these highly optimized dunning campaigns. Um, so we've safeguarded over a billion dollars of recurring revenue from you know some of the biggest names in SaaS and e-commerce simply by just plugging this one revenue leak. So what our tool does, is it kind of monitors the failed payment activity um, initiates charge retries updates customer billing information we send out these beautiful campaigns we need to and then automatically pays up unpaid invoices and we keep those subscriptions active um, lots of buzzwords in there i know but basically what we do is make sure you're not losing customers because of a card issue so that you can get back to focusing on the more important stuff like growth and engagement and all this fun retention stuff i just talked about today how many percentage
0: of churn uh, is actually because they've they didn't update the credit card
1: uh, it's on average 5 to 20% and that wow. per that's month. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, and so those numbers kind of depend on things like um, what type of customer, uh, your, the countries of where your customers are coming from. Um, do you accept prepaid debit cards? Uh, what kind of customers you have? Is it e-commerce? Is it SaaS? Is it B2B? Is it B2C? Um, there's a lot of things that kind of can impact that number. But five to twenty percent is the average. Uh, we've we've worked with companies. Uh, I mean, we saw one company come in with sixty percent of their churn being attributed to <laughs> wow. failed payments. Um, we've seen, you know, on average, around up to thirty to forty percent of churn can be attributed to this. And so it's just it's one of those things that it's a. It's a revenue leak that doesn't need to be happening, and so we come in and kind of plug that.
0: I didn't even know it was that high. I'm yeah. really surprised. I thought yeah. it, I thought be, you know it would be other things like product or messaging or positioning, but like wow, involuntary payments.
1: Mm-hmm. It can be a big one.
0: So how, you talked about how it, this sends out. Uh, you said dunning campaign. Like what mm-hmm. happens when the, the payments fail? Like what what you know what what would happen to the customer? Would they get a mes- a message or an email or like wh- how can TurnBuster help with that?
1: Yeah. So the first thing we're going to do when the card fails, different from some other Dunning providers, what we do here is we do not automatically send a customer an email yet. We're going to take some time. We're going to retry the card two to three times on average. Uh, the reason we do this is because about 60% of issues can actually be resolved with a few retries. So if it's um, a daily spending limit is a good example of this. If you try to charge a customer and they've you know spent that amount on that day, it's going to fail. But if you wait two days and try it again, it's going to go through. Um, expiration dates... Those can all be resolved with one or two retries. Uh, so that's what we do. We we give it a chance to figure it out on its own because if you don't have to bother customers about billing issues, you don't want to. Um, And then from there, if we can't solve them, that's when we go into our campaigns. So our campaigns are going to be at least five emails spread over about 25 plus days. And there's a lot of optimizations we allow within those campaigns as well. So that's just kind of like our standard starting you off. Um, And then those emails are going to be coming from your domain. They're going to be branded to your customers. They're going to be really trustworthy. Um, They're going to come and, you know, However your business says it will help you craft the messaging that aligns with your brand that says, you know, Hey, we need this updated information, update your card here. Um, From there, the user is going to click on that button. It's going to take you to a card update page um, that Churnbuster will create for you. It'll be super secure. It'll be branded. It'll be on your site. And then it won't require a login, which is huge. So your customer can just like hit that button and go do, 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 do. And they're all good. You know, you've got that recovered information. Um, so those campaigns, it, it sometimes takes customers a while to update their cards. So we give it a lot of, a lot of, uh, effort behind it, right? We're going to send multiple emails. We're going to give you metrics on if the emails are bouncing, you're going to know if the emails are not being opened, you're going to know, um, when the campaign ends, you're going to know we're going to bring all these things to you. So when it needs to be done, your team can kind of step in and make the saves when the funnel doesn't, um, so that's what we do. Um, those campaigns are, they get super fun and super cool. Uh, depending on your company, we will toss in like, you'll have an HTML email, you'll have some plain text emails. Um, it can come from the CEO or from the customer lead. We we give it this kind of marketing automation approach where we're just trying to make it a better experience so we actually get the updated card information.
0: Well, That's great. I can definitely, like how long has this been around for? I... Uh,
1: so the company started in 2013. And we just released um, our big version, two about a year ago. So all the new, really, really cool, fancy stuff um, has been around now. And we have just been growing fast with some really big companies. Um, We've got a lot of people coming in just... You know, coming to figure out how to plug this leak because it's it's rough to deal with sometimes.
0: That's true. Yeah, any big companies that you can talk about that's using Turnbuster right now, or it's all hush hush.
1: Oh, it is not hush hush, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I will bring up our website to make sure um let's see we've got you know segment optin, monster wow. okay um, That's IO. yeah it's,
0: those are big ones <laughs> yeah those are some of
1: our big ones yeah. um wow that are super excited and we've done some really cool stuff with them um like I said, it's just a lot of fun, but this is something that you know we find really fun. Yeah. But marketers are not going to be as stoked about failed payments as we are. So. No,
0: I think I think marketers. Well, you know, I think marketers are starting starting to get there. Like, you know, what's the point of growth if you're not retaining your customers? Especially thirty to forty percent. You said twenty to thirty percent of your customers are churning because of uh, involuntary.
1: Yeah, it can be really frustrating, um, especially when it's it's passive churn right it's not someone who's saying i don't like this tool anymore it's just kind of happening in this black box um so being able to get it out and get it surfaced to the team and like hey we can actually make these saves because we work so hard to bring customers
0: in so true i'm about to wrap up here i have two final questions for you the first one is you know what what would be some of your advice for any marketers who are probably early on in the career like what what would be your your tips or any kind of like one advice that you would give them
1: Good question. My one advice is um, to not be afraid of community or to not be afraid that you're new. Um, Something that I found a lot is that if you're authentically looking for help from people, and just accept that, you know, I'm a young marketer, but I have a lot to offer and a lot to learn. Um, lean into that, be the fresh face who comes with the new ideas. Don't be afraid to reach out to the gurus of marketing out there and say, Hey, I'd love to just like hear what, you know, um, when I started doing that, it made huge differences in, you know, confidence and ability to address new problems. Um, so I, I love to say that to young marketers. Don't be afraid that you're young or that you're new. It's actually a superpower if you can harness it. <laughs>
0: that's so good. It's a superpower. Any, <laughs> any particular guru that's like, you know, you want to shout out to for helping you with your career?
1: Oh, particular gurus. I have so many. Um, Caitlin Burgoyne has been huge for me. Um, she basically taught me how to do customer uh, research, which has completely changed my world. Um, other than that, Joanna Weeb. uh, if, if you guys need copywriting help, I, I took one webinar of hers and then I emailed her after and within, within one email I had changed our conversion funnel by a lot. Um, so those are two people that have made uh, a huge, huge impact on, on my, My personal career. Great.
0: Final question. Where can people find you? Where can people find trendbusters? Do, uh, Do you have any particular call to action?
1: Yeah. So um, you can follow me on Twitter at Kristen DaCosta. Um churnbuster is just at churnbuster. We keep it pretty simple. <laughs> so we are at churnbuster.io. If you toss blog dot in front of that, so blog.churnbuster.io, that's where you're going to find um, all this content that we've kind of been talking about. Um, and then a direct line to me, just email me, Kristen at churnbuster.io. It's Chris with a T-E-N not T-I-N. Uh, people get that wrong all the time. Um, and if you guys are interested in churnbuster, you can head to our site and just get started. It is free until your first card update. Um, we are there to help you get set up and fast so you can kind of get back to what you're doing. If you have any questions, like I said, just reach out to me directly. Uh, that does get straight to me and I will respond to everything
0: awesome kristen saying thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it
1: yes thank you so much for having me this was awesome to come and talk about this stuff well thanks for listening in on this episode wow that's so good i'm going to share with you
0: my three key takeaways from this episode number one what you and your team celebrates matter the most Now, if your team celebrates getting more customers only, then it sends a signal to your team that that's what matters and they're gonna do more of that, getting more leads, getting more sales. While that's great, we've learned today and from other great growth marketers that retention matters a lot, especially when it comes to growth because what's the point of getting more customers when you have a hole in your funnel that you, you get 10 customers, eight of them leave. What's the point of all of that uh, resources and time and ad dollars that you spend on acquiring those customers so the whole company needs to do a better job of celebrating improving customer retention and churn. and that's not something that I've seen a lot of companies do really well uh, we hear bells dinging if so uh, you somebody closes a sale but we don't hear bells dinging if we reduce churn by 0.5% or, or whatever percentage that you've reduced it by Second, to build a long-term customer relationship, relationship, you need to treat it like a long-term relationship. Now, this is not, no, no. This is this means that all from onboarding all the way to becoming a loyal customer, you need to continue to give value to to your customers whether it's making their jobs easier or helping them achieve their goals. Your job as, as growth marketers is doesn't end when they become a paying customer. You need to continue to build that relationship in the same way that you in a marriage. Uh, and I said in this episode, I got married last year. I, I didn't stop talking to my wife after we got married. I continued to talk to, to her. Uh, we continued to, to build this relationship. We continued to talk every time we have dinner together when she comes home. Uh, and that's exactly how you need to treat your your customers you're almost being in that in that marriage and you don't want to stop giving them value and the third thing that i got away from this my takeaway is you need to create a persona not just for your best customers but also your your worst fit customer i actually didn't think about this until now that we as marketers we've been told you know we learn create personas because it's good for you but in fact The one thing that we learn from this also is that you need to create a persona for your worst fit customers because you can't be everything to everyone focus is one of the best growth hacks and this will help you focus on really providing value to your best fit customers and ignoring the ones that you can't give value to so that you're giving your time and resources to the right kind of people and keeping them long term into being a customer now if you want the, the show notes, the quotes, the takeaways, and you're, you'd rather read some of the stuff that we went through today, you can go to growthmarketing.today forward slash zero four one. That's growthmarketing.today forward slash zero four one. Or you can go to the show notes or description uh, in this podcast and you can click on the link that's available there. Now if you're new here, like I said, please subscribe to this this podcast. As always, I'd appreciate it very much if you can leave me a five star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Other than that, keep on growing.